We are on the final day of our series that we began on Easter called Love Reigns. Obviously on Easter, we were talking mostly about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then in each following week, how love actually has the power to reign over our past and then our present and today our future. We know that the greatest power in creation is the love of God. It was the love of God in Christ that raised him from the dead. It is the love of God that created you. And it is the love of God that continues to draw you here today into his presence to walk with him. We don't always walk perfectly. We know that. That's an amen. I'll say amen as well. And we know that God always will accept us back. He accepts us as we are, and I've said this before, he loves us too much to leave us that way. As we look into God's love and the idea of the future, we know that there has always been an interest in the future. In our world, you look around, you look at the number of books and movies and other creative outlets that focus on the future. It's amazing. In fact, you turn on the TV, guaranteed somewhere on one of the channels there's going to be some sort of future-focused show on. Now, some of those stories paint a bleak, post-apocalyptic view of the world. They tend to talk about the downfall of humanity and and sometimes the rise again of humanity, but in a new way. And other stories present a much more hopeful view of the future, a more hopeful vision of what may come to pass. Each of us at some point wonders about our own future. In fact, that's probably the future that we most think about and sometimes obsess over. Sometimes we think about our future because our current situation is so painful or dire that we just want to get to the future. We just want to get past whatever we're going through as quickly as possible. In that sense, we look forward to the future. Or sometimes we wonder about things that are going to happen because we're, we're hopeful or thinking about new possibilities in our life. And we can't wait for the future. And other times we look in the mirror and we're like, oh no, I don't know what the future is going to hold for me. We think about what may be or what could be. And the reality is that that is perfectly normal as humans, to think about what may be or what could be. Yet because our minds are created so amazingly so by God, so complex, we're thinking all the time, whether consciously or unconsciously, we can have a natural curiosity about the future that actually slips into an unhealthy obsession. And it's called worry. Worry is something that we all have. Don't worry. I'm not going to... I was 
imagine you want me to say something, I'd be happy, but I'm not going to say that. Although I did I technically just say that. Would you, would you help me with something? I want to pass these baskets around. Why don't you give this to Beverly and pass them down? And I want you to just take one of those things that's in there. Just take one and hold it in your hand. You can pass both of them. There's the same stuff in them. Just take one in your hand and hold on to it. We'll come back to that later. We all experience worry. No one is immune. In your hand, you have just a normal little item. Small, clear, light. And as you hold it right now, it represents your worry about the future. Only you know exactly what that worry is. And as you tightly grip that in your hand, that worry will stick with you. No matter what we say here this morning. Because we're human. A few months ago, I actually heard worry described like this. The not yet that is worse than your right now. And I had to think about it for a second. And it's, you have to sort of chew on that phrase a little bit. The not yet or the unknown that is worse than your right now. Worse than your known. That's a lot of what worry is. An unknown that feels worse than what you do know. Each of us has different worries. Some of them are very legitimate things to be worried about. Sometimes they're not legitimate. Some of our worries end up becoming an all-consuming use of our time and our energy and our attention on things that we cannot control even if we could. And yet we still worry about them. I have worries too. And even though we know some of the tools that we have available to us, sometimes we also need resources that are beyond our grasp. Worry. We worry about finances. We worry about family. We worry about jobs. We worry about getting sick. We worry about trying to get healthy. We worry about everything. And as you look at the little thing in your hand, you know exactly what your main worries are. The problem with worrying, even though we all do it, is that it does not actually improve our situation at all. We, and our brains know this, at least some of the time. We know this. In reality, it's our unchecked and uncontrolled worries that actually lead to greater issues in our life, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. You know, worry is already officially one of the primary or leading causes of generalized anxiety disorder. 
unchecked worry. Not just worry itself, but unchecked or uncontrolled worry. And we know that there are many ways to manage symptoms. We have therapists. We have, there are people who are spiritual directors. We have apps. There's one called Worry Tree. And there are a lot of other ones that you can actually have on your phone that will help you in those moments where you are prone for your worry, not just to happen, but to continue and to spiral out of control. We also have other ways of helping our worry, our anxiety, our fear. We have medications. We have professionals. I myself take medication. I utilize the spiritual resources that I have and the medical resources that are available. There are many ways to manage our symptoms that lead to worry, and yet it is hard to get to the heart or the root of our worry unless we learn to release control in here and in here. Our brain and our heart. The problem is that worry actually affects the chemistry in our brain and then it affects the pieces of us, all of our cells in our body. We can begin to release the burden of excessive worry by learning to trust in God's love and allow it to rule in and over our life. That may be the primary way that we learn to release ourselves from worry, but it is certainly not the only way. It took me a long time to realize the anxiety that I have and to learn about some of the family history that I have when it comes to anxiety and depression tendencies in my extended family. Just recently, actually, in the last year. And it took me a long time to be truthful about that and to even talk to my parents about it and to talk to my wife about it and to talk to my doctor. When we learn to trust in God's love, it actually opens up our ability to be truthful in other areas of our life. Without the power of God's love, worry is like a small weed that works its root down into the soil and it takes hold and then it grows bigger, just like in my front yard. No matter how many times I try to get that one patch really looking nice, those weeds just keep coming back and growing and growing. And when left unchecked, Worry will actually crowd out and suffocate what is good and what God has in store for you. God's love is the power that eats away at the root of worry. Jesus spoke to our struggle with the future in Matthew 6. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Matthew 6. This is part of that long Sermon on the Mount that starts all the way back in chapter 5 of Matthew, and it goes for multiple chapters all the way up through chapter 7. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Matthew 6, verses 25 through 27. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. 
hear them chirping outside right now. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be by worrying at a single hour to your life? It cannot add a single hour to our life, yet it most certainly can subtract from it by creating fear and fears that end up paralyzing us. It's as if Jesus actually knows who we are when he says these things. It's, actually, it's as if he actually understands us. I know it's kind of a duh moment, but we read these and we're like, yeah, he's speaking to our condition, our human nature. He understands that our minds easily wander and that we naturally become anxious when thinking about our future. But in this section of Matthew, we see one great promise that Jesus gives to us. And it's that God looks out for you. You could also replace looks out with any variety of words that are in keeping with Scripture. Because God not only looks out for you, God cares for you. God understands you. God gets you. Jesus tells us not to worry about our life. He says don't excessively worry about daily needs or daily wants. He offers proof for God's ability to provide for us. He uses the example of the birds and those tiny winged animals that sometimes are flying around outside, dive-bombing you. Some of you like to look at the hummingbirds or the other birds that come to your bird feeders. God provides for them, sometimes through you. He provides for them. And if God takes care of the sparrows of the world, surely he can easily take care of us if we would reach out to him. Jesus reminds us of our incredible worth to God. Because we are loved by God, he will provide for us today. In other words, your future is in God's good hands because of his watchful eye. Now this does not mean that there aren't needs in our world. That does not mean that there are not folks in need. We know that to be true. Some of those people are us, and some of those are people that we interact with or work with. And in God's provision for them, you may be part of it. And you might be that person that provides for them in one way. And if there is an opportunity, you might be that person that opens up God's love in a new way. That allows them to have every need met. It's hard to allow ourselves to trade what we don't know about the future for what we do know about the love of God for us. It reminds me in, that Lord, in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And one of the parts of the prayer says, Give us this day our daily bread. Now, if you're gluten-free or you don't like bread, 
Bread is that all-encompassing word. Provide for our needs. Please provide what we need today, O Lord God. Not too much that we forget to trust you for our future, and not too little that we are tempted to take matters into our own hand. Because when God doesn't seem to provide on our time frame or schedule, we want to jump in. We want to jump the gun. Sometimes providing means also waiting. So we ask simply enough for today. When we receive what we need for today, we learn that day-to-day reliance on God. And that's how we help learn to trust Him. Even when we can't feel it or know what is around the corner, relying on God to provide for us. He looks over us. He looks out for us. It's what helps us to trust Him. I know that you've heard this before, but we need this reminder over and over again because we are forgetful people. I can barely remember what I ate yesterday, let alone always remember that God loves me and provides for our needs. Whenever we become anxious about the future, we're called to lean upon the faithful promises of God, trusting that God wants the best for you. He actually has a preferred future in mind for each of you. If we are willing to give up control, and as I said a couple of weeks ago, submit to him. It's that word that we don't like to talk about and we certainly don't like to do. But God does have a preferred future for you. Like any growth or change, where do we start? We start by looking at the word. And what the Word continues to say, in essence, is this. Seek God first. We go out and we seek everything else at times in our life. And then if we have a little time or space, then we might turn to something that God has said. Seek God first. Let me continue reading in Matthew verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? Because they're fly, right? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Our rose bush in our front yard popped this week, finally. And there's so many blooms this year because of all the rain that the branches are like heavy laden. They're so heavy that I have to go home afterwards and cut some of those blooms off because there's too many of them this year. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, or those who do not fear God, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Here's the payoff verse, verse 33. But seek First, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, we like that second part 
but we don't, we sometimes forget it's conditional on the first part. We like to cherry pick the parts that we like. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We know that so, so well. Amen. Amen. Jesus gives us a way to ensure that our future falls in line with his will for our lives. He gives us a way and he helps us to focus on his priorities. Sometimes we become focused on the wrong things because we're too nervous about the future. We get drawn or pulled off course and Jesus makes it clear. Seek first the kingdom of God. This should be our priority. Living to see the kingdom of God manifested here on earth just as it is in heaven. This should be a defining aspect of our lives. Yet sometimes we get distracted by everything that's around us. Sometimes we want to increase our status or our popularity. Or we get distracted by pictures of that beautiful house by the water. Man, I wish I could live there. Or we get distracted by that person walking by. Ooh, I wish I could just find true love. Or we get distracted by things that are shiny, like when we were babies. When you see something shiny up in the sky, you just do this as a little baby. Or something spinning. We get easily distracted. And many of the pursuits are not bad in and of themselves. That much is true. But they can cause us to veer off track as our life progresses. Jesus says if we seek God first, then other things have a way of falling in place according to his will. Maybe not falling into place like I would like them. Certainly that has been true in my life according to his will, even when we can't see it. Now, this doesn't mean that we wait around and do nothing. Rather, we are called to open our eyes, to see God, and to seek his face and the opportunities that he will provide. God knows exactly what you need, and how often do we realize that after the fact? We look back on our lives at certain points, especially though some areas that might have been a little more tense for us, a little more anxiety-filled, and we see the ways that God has provided in the past. And it can remind us of what he's doing right now and what he will do for our future. Every day that you have been given and will be given, God already knows. The question is, how do, we, how do we know when these opportunities in the future are something, is something that's according to God's will? How do we know that they're part of God's plan? On your bulletin on the back and up on the screen, I just put a few simple questions that sometimes we can ask ourselves. These are not the only questions, and you can always modify them. There are other questions. But when we're presented with opportunities... We can ask ourselves, does this align with God's word? Sometimes it's clear that it does, and other times it's a little iffy. We're not quite sure. 
does this unknown conflict, the thing that's unknown, does it conflict with what we already know to be true about God? That sometimes is one place to start. Or you can start by thinking about, will this opportunity actually make me more like Jesus? Will it transform me more and more into his image and likeness, as the word says? If we take action or we make a particular decision, will it help shape and mold me into the person that God desires that I become? Now, obviously, these are opportunities. We're talking about high-level stuff. I don't know that should I eat a cheeseburger or a grilled cheese has any bearing on anything. What? It does align with God's word. It aligns with God's word? Amen. Thank you. I I will get that reference after the service. (laughs) I want to use that again. Will this opportunity benefit others? Will it be a blessing, an opportunity for us to bless or benefit others? Will the decision that I make result in the blessing of other people around me? So these are just three questions. I already wrote them down for you, so you don't have to write them down. And maybe you have a different question that you would ask when you're trying to think about things that are ahead of you into your future. God always looks to use willing people to help serve and bless, people with open hearts and teachable spirits. This is the future that we hope and want to experience. To move toward that unknown with confidence and hope, we must seek God first, his kingdom and his righteousness. I need a little more help once again. So I have a jar here. I've already filled it with worries. Would you take this and would you just walk around? I want each of you to take your worry and put it in there. Just drop it in. Don't worry, there's plenty of worries already in there. There's worries enough for all of us. I made sure of that. I didn't specifically go back and think through everything I personally worried about, but it probably might look something like that jar. This jar represents our future, your future. And whatever we seek and think about or worry about will fill us up. Just like all of those things that you're adding in right now. Our wants and our desires, our worries and our fears. And before you know it, that jar has very little room in it. Unchecked worry has a way of doing this. Filling up our lives to the point where there is very little room for the things of God and what God has for you as a preferred future. And by the time we've already filled ourselves with all these worries and we start to think about the foundations that God has given us and we start to put them into our life, we're like, oh, I I better turn to God now. I'm really in dire straits. And we get to this point and suddenly it doesn't all fit. And I can't get the lid on anymore because there's very little space and there's very little margin. What does God say? Seek first 
the kingdom and his righteousness. So what happens Oh, whoops, one slipped in. This is that stubborn worry. What happens when we start to seek God first? And we have that foundation that He has given us. It says Jesus Christ is the rock. The foundation of our faith. And we begin to fill ourselves with all the things that we know are true. All of the words that we've been given in Scripture. We start to add our worries back in. I'm not adding anything else. Suddenly, there's not just room for everything. There's actually more than enough room. There's even room for all these extra worries that we have forgot about. these. And I'll stop there for now. I could continue on. Instead of seeking God first to fill us up and lead us, we try to fit God in around everything else. And suddenly there's no room in the inn. Just like it was for Jesus. There's no place for the transforming power of God's love in our life. However, if we are to fill our life with the most important things first, the priorities that God reveals through His Word and through the work that we see, then somehow things not only fit, but there is more than enough room in us for God to do His loving work in and through us. The worries are still there. But when our worries are close to the transforming power of God's love, some of those worries begin to transform themselves and change. They begin to lose their power and hold over us, leaving room for God's love to reign over not only our past, but our present and our future. Who knows what God will be able to pour into you in your future because you have sought, sought Him first. Ecclesiastes 8.7, I put all these scripture references in the back of your bulletin, says, since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? So don't waste your money going to those fortune tellers. They don't know any more than we know. Since the future is unknown, I want to close with a few verses of what we do know, what the Lord has already spoke 
spoken through his word. Psalm 90.12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Proverbs 24, know also that wisdom is like honey for you. Unless you're a baby, no honey. If you find it, there is a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, present your worries to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares all your anxiety on him because he what? He cares for you. Romans 8, neither the present nor the future will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's why Jesus says to put his kingdom first. Everything else will come along naturally. Your worries will still be there but they have the hope of being transformed by the love and power of God. The unknown, what we cannot know or control, is suddenly overpowered by the known, what we do know and have heard. All that we know to be true of God, this is what allows us to trust Him with all of our heart and mind and soul and body. For he is the one who looks out for you and loves you every single day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are more than enough. That you call us to lean into your way and your will. To accept your love. To respond to your mighty works in this world. God, I pray this morning that you would take that specific worry that each person put into this jar today and that you would allow the kingdom work that you are doing in them to begin to transform that worry. It may not completely go away, but will you allow it to have less power today than when they walk through that door? God, we thank you that you can do anything. face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. For now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here. I look forward to seeing you again.